This is Comics Therapy, episode 88. Um, I think it's been a while, so I think that's the right episode number. We're still following the same format. No reviews, just analysis. I'm Aaron Myers, and my co-host this week is Andrea Shockling. What do you mean, this week? Well, I mean, you know, next week, next year, who knows? <laughs> I own the uh, copyright, so... Up this week are a couple of comics you may have already read, or maybe not... Just as a reminder, we never do reviews, but we do talk a lot, so there may be spoilers ahead. We just don't know quite yet what might we might be spoiling today. Welcome to Comic Therapy. Neither Aaron nor I are licensed therapists, so don't take anything we say seriously. This week's theme is we will figure it out after we've talked for a while. <laughs> we have to get back in the saddle, as they say. I don't want to predict too much about how this is going to go. I just know that I miss it, and I miss Aaron, and I miss talking about the comics that I'm reading, even if they aren't necessarily the newest floppies out every single week. So we're just going to see how this goes and if we can keep it up with any regularity, but I'd like to. Sure. I mean, you know, (laughs) what's regular? At a certain point, if it's every six months, we're regularly putting it out twice a year then. That's true, but we should probably change the show description from weekly. (laughs) Well... On a certain week, a show will come out. It's true. It's true. In between shows, you can find me on Twitter, at Aaron Myers, and Andrea, at Andrea Shock. The show account is at Comics Therapy. Aaron, I do feel like we should do a little crash course on ourselves before we talk about comics. Sure. Because, I don't know, maybe we have some new listeners, and even our older listeners, I would hope, are interested in what we're up to. I don't know. What are you even doing these days? Oh, gosh, it's so different. Like, I go to work, I take care of kids, um, I buy comics, and I read comics. So, I mean, it's just, life has just changed so much. Wow, that's huh? uh, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, yeah, got a dog, um, I have a cat. That's new, actually. I guess that's kind of You do new. have a cat. Even yeah. though it's been like eight months? Right, but it's been about 11 months since we recorded. Okay, well, I got a cat. Or she's, she's got us. She adopted us. So, Well, congratulations. I have two cats, so you're well on your way to being a cat family. Yeah, but you went out and got your cats. I've, well, I rescued my cats. You oh. rescued... Well, she rescued you. Isn't Did, that what they say? I guess so. I mean, she just moved in. <laughs> so I don't know how that works. Speaking of cats, though, mine are sitting, looking at me while I'm recording right now, so... If they make an appearance, I'm I'm not going to apologize. They're delightful, and you'll just have to deal with it. Yeah, it's par for the course. <laughs> um, what else? Boys are a little older. I'm a little older. I have a lot more comics, and that's but that's kind of just how life is, right? It's been a while since I've asked you this. About how many comics do you think you have at this point? I mean, it's not really fair because like fifteen thousand of them, I'm kind of marking for sale or get you know to clear out so i mean okay i just want to go on record as saying the fact that you have fifteen thousand of anything 
whether you're moving them in or out or whatever, just the fact that you can parcel out your collection and designate 15,000 as something, anything, is absurd. Yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got a few comics. That's true. So what's the total number and will allow for that 15,000 of leeway? I'm going to estimate, because I don't really know, I'm going to say about 60,000. Okay. Probably. Okay. What's your inventory status? Did you make any progress on any sort of system? Oh, no. No, it's just been growing out of control, and then I just bought a big collection recently, and that made things a little difficult. I I actually have a couple of questions about that, because you're very open about your acquisition uh, success. So when you share some of the things that you have acquired... How much of that is a surprise to you versus how much of it is is something that you knew was part of the collection when you were negotiating buying it? Oh, like the stuff currently? Yeah. I mean, it, no, it's not a surprise. I mean, I went through I went through it all and then kind of inventoried and figured out what the market price was for it currently and then, you know, it, it wasn't a like a garage sale purchase. It's been something I've been talking to the guy for years about. So it wasn't like an estate sale where the person that you were buying from wasn't aware of the value. No, it was no, okay. No, that makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, no, he it, he was the local one of the local shop. He was the manager of one of the local shops, and it's like his personal collection. Um, that it was all sitting in his garage. It wasn't like meticulously kept, you know, pristine. It wasn't like a collector's collection. It was a reader's collection. But he kept things surprisingly nice for how they were stored. Besides three of the boxes that had ant colonies in them, but um, oh my god, yeah, that, you know, that's par for the course. At least it wasn't rats <laughs> or cockroaches or anything. Oh god, that's awful. Yeah, yeah, no, not fun. Uh, so, are they in your house now? The ants? Yeah. No. No, I. They were actually like pretty contained within the box, and then when I opened the box, I took the box outside real quick and. surprisingly the the comics in those boxes were packed pretty tight so there weren't too many ants between comics like they hadn't really like made the comics into a into a part of the colony they were just built around it so it's it was gross gross. ants are not super fun to have you know crawling around everywhere but no most of the comics could be salvaged and then the ants had to be not salvaged Were they carefully relocated? <laughs> they were not. You can call. You can call the like who's ASPCA or who's uh, I don't even P, know. Maybe PETA would be interested to Probably. find out what happened with that. Yeah, um, they were humanely disposed of. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But the comics were mostly rescued. So, so yeah. what's the long term goal? For that collection, uh, most of it no, is... No, for get... your collection. Well, I mean, that collection's my collection now. Right. But, I mean, 60000 and then mm. and then what? I, I don't really care so much about the number at this point. What I want to work towards is um, being able to emotionally realize 90% of that stuff I'll never have time to read again. And even the more modern books that I really like... I just won't um, ever look at, and they don't really hold that much value in terms of like long-term uh, investment. 
So they just need to be weeded out of the collection for room's sake, and then get the collection down to the point where it's just stuff that's good to have as like a retirement fund, essentially. Wow, okay. But it's hard to do, because there's a lot of stuff that I'm looking through, and then I go like, oh yeah, this is a cool story, and you start getting distracted, and then you just never make any progress on it. But <laughs> I think I, I'll have to, because our living room now is almost filled with long boxes, and that's oh, no. not tenable. Oh no, it's spread out of the comic book room. Yeah, just because of all the stuff that came from this this collection that I think are really neat, but I'm just not going to ever have a, have space for. And wow. I, and I can't justify getting like a storage unit to put them all in because I'm never going to look at them again anyway. They're not worth the storage cost. So I might as well pass them on to somebody who maybe will enjoy them. Your wife is amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she really is. <laughs> for, yeah, for plenty of reasons, but you know, it's uh, <laughs> it, you know, it's a part when you buy a collection, it's part of it. Like, there's going to be a lot of stuff you don't want, as opposed to like going through and cherry picking out. I guess. I mean, I I completely can't relate at all, but I do find it really interesting because I've seen you acquire these large collections you know, a couple a couple of times, or even just when you buy several long boxes at a time at a garage sale or, or what have you, you still have to still have to then spend the the additional resources of like time and energy to, to go through them and decide how they are incorporated in your collection. And it's just not, it's just not the way that I do things. Well, sure. We have different interests. Like part of that is sort of therapeutic for me. You know, it's, it's fun right. to like go through and sort it and clean it up and, get it more long-term storable but it's funny too because when you look at a collection like this i mean it's been sitting in a garage for 15 years basically and most of the comics are in pretty decent shape so it's like all the effort you go into like putting things into bags and boards and proper boxes it's like does it does it actually matter because it seems like they (laughs) they kind of do okay if you just leave them alone and just kind of sitting loose in a box that's incredibly reassuring because uh, just this past week, Avi dumped an entire large glass of water all over the top of his long box. And there was definitely some seepage inside that affected his comics, which, of course, yeah, are different. not bagged and boarded. <laughs> that's a, that's much different. <laughs> These weren't sitting behind like a shed, you know, like under a, under a downspout or something like that. I mean, they were at least in they a relatively have, dry spot. They don't have ants, though. True. I mean, it depends what kind of what he dumped on there. If it's a soda, maybe that's the next thing. Just have. water. Right. Just water. Well, that's all right. Those are just for him to read anyway. Right. Right. Yeah, it's a different. It's a totally different comics aspect when it comes to investment and value. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, tell are me, you? So tell me about the you, value of the comics you've been working on. Well, I, that's what I was going to say. Are you keeping all of my comics so that you can? Watch them grow in value. Yeah, I hope so. The problem is you've personalized some of them, and that just kind of makes them worthless. Well, the most recent package that I sent you, only there, there's one personalized for Chrissy, and the rest of them aren't. Okay, good. So, All right. You know, That's if they end up on eBay, I will obviously know <laughs> where they came from, but you're not that heartless. Mm, I don't know. I'm pretty cutthroat these days. <laughs> so I sent you... 
Uh, some of what I will have next week at DINK, the Denver Independent uh, Comics and Art Expo. And I have just a ridiculous number of new comics that I, like, they all kind of came together right in time for the show. And I, uh, I sent you some that I've worked on with uh, Lila Sturgis. Um, she's a, a writer who I've worked with on a couple of projects. And so I sent you Accountable, mm-hmm. which was a webcomic that we did together. And I sent you a picture of me, which was a series of like poems and essays that she wrote about transitioning and essentially like trying to describe what it's like to be trans to somebody who isn't. Uh, and I just finished that one with her. That that debuted at Haven Con uh, last weekend, so it'll be at Dink, um, like really just for the second time. So you have a copy of that, and you didn't even have to go to Austin or Denver. Yeah, so that's what I prefer. I'm I'm looking out for you, just Thank because you. I know that the collection part is so important to you. It's true. I mean, it's just it's a uh, FOMO, right? Right. Right. <laughs> That's why I want to. I that's why you, I want to keep everything because what if someday something changes where something becomes way more important than it was originally? Well, I like that's why you you have a copy of Mom Privilege, which was my very first mini comic, and is now kind of the foundation for this much much larger graphic novel that I'm working on. So I feel like I am really just helping fuel your habit. That's like your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one. Or, I don't know, uh, New Mutants 98 or something. Uh, maybe, sure. That, I don't know if that <laughs> quite quite works, but yeah, I get what you're saying. I'm just trying to help you out so that in the long term, when you are investing in me, I can help, you know, make you feel like you're getting your value. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's about time you started pitching in and pulling your weight around here. That's right. That's right. Well, I've been working really fucking hard the past March. March was like this insane whirlwind of like, got to fix all the things, got to make all the things, got to print all the things. And then I got to the end of the month and I'd actually finished all the things on my list. I had finished a couple of new comics. I had printed them. I'd gotten all of subjective line weight in a single perfect bound volume full color 80 pages it looks gorgeous and i was ready i was ready for this show that's like not even happened yet it was like two weeks in the future uh dink is is this coming weekend the 14th and 15th Mm -hmm. so now i've had these like two weeks to just kind of (laughs) second guess everything (laughs) and wonder like oh man why didn't i finish this or oh do i have time to do this or whatever and and it's gonna it it's 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 not quite FOMO. It's definitely not. It's it's the sort of feeling of of like what if or or what should I have done? I haven't missed out on anything, but now I'm like, oh man, well, how how could I have used that time more wisely? Just because I was for the first time in my life actually ahead. Sure, but. I mean, part, part of that's got to um, get better as you get more used to doing these shows and your body of work grows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of this was thinking ahead because I have, I have Heroes in June. Mm-hmm. So there's a... Um, and I have Free Comic Book Day in 
in May, I'm signing at uh, Escape Pod Comics in New York. And so I have this like limited time to prepare for heroes as opposed to all the time that I had for Dink. And so I was mindful of that. But then I'm doing Thought Bubble this year. Did I tell you? <laughs> you did tell me. Yep. And that's a much different of, thing. That's a much different thing. And it's fucking incredible. And so the... Um, the preparation for a show that I can't drive to and for something that has just a, just this incredible opportunity for exposure is really, really different. So I haven't, after Denver, I will sit down and like really kind of mentally take stock of what I need to do to then prepare for Thought Bubble because yeah. it's, it's so, so different and it's, it's, uh, it's incredibly intimidating. Right. But I bet, at a certain point, like down the road, like right now it is, because this is all sort of new. This is, I guess, like your first, you know, world tour, right. essentially. But, <laughs> you know, at a certain point, you're going to have 15 platinum records under your belt and, you know, be strung out on heroin and just it'll be another another city, another table, and you'll just be a bitter charging $100 for signatures and, you know, it's going to be old hat. So enjoy, enjoy like the freshness of this. Right. Something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. $100 per signature is pretty rad, though. Yeah, but, you know, even that, even the the uh, novelty of that or the, you know, the extra money just gets uh, boring after a while. Have you ever done one of those photo ops at a bigger con? Um, never done a photo op. I have almost zero interest of being photographed with a celebrity. I've only paid for one of the celebrity autographs, and that was um, for... Um, Oh, why I'm terrible with names now. Uh, Walter Koenig, Star Trek. Oh, okay. Because he didn't have a very long line when I when I got in line, and I had his first comic that he wrote. It was a, a Star Trek comic, so mm-hmm. he he wrote one of the issues for um, the DC series, and so I had him sign that. And did you have it then? Hmm. Did you have it graded? No, because he personalized it, so I just kept oh. it in my. My collection. Yeah, that that seems worth it. Sure. Especially because it was personalized, so. Yeah, I'm very, um, I don't like personalized comics anymore. That's, that's a change. Why? Because Is it just because of, you want to resell? No. No, I, most of the time I don't really resell signed stuff unless I get a bunch of stuff signed. I mean, there's definitely some of that that I account for, especially if the um, person charges for their signatures now, so I factor that in that if they're going to charge five to ten dollars for a signature and i want some stuff signed from them i'll get say i want three things signed from them for myself maybe i'll get six to eight things signed by them and then sell a couple ungraded and sell the rest graded but there's an investment you know in that as well but it'll pay then for the stuff that i kept for myself so then what's why is there not an attraction to have I, I've always preferred that, especially because as I have more and more friends in the industry, it, it it actually matters to me to support them and support their work. And and so I I enjoy being able to do that and and have like a little piece of them no, I understand in, in my that. collection. 
But when I look at the comics and them being signed, I like to have the signature on the comic. I already have the experience. Like, I have the memory of it. Right. But as a display piece, I don't, I don't know, for something about it, like, having my name on it just doesn't, it kind of changes the, the, because it's not really, like, a comic at that point. It's sort of, it, it is, like, you know, it's a display or collectible or whatever that it changes how that um, displays for me. Like, it feels like it's no longer, I guess you call, like, a trading card or something, you know, where you say, oh, look, I've got this signed by this person. I've got it signed with my name on it. And it's just not, it's not the same to me. Huh. I'm, it's, I can't explain it, and it should be more special if it's personalized. But right. it, it just, it just isn't. Is that true for original art, too? Oh, yeah, I wouldn't want original art. with. I have one page that's signed to me, and I really wish it wasn't. What about the one that's signed to Steve? Yeah, <laughs> I really wish that one wasn't either. But you know that, that's how that's how it is. <laughs> but see, like, and see, Steve decided to sell that Chris Samney rom commission, and if he hadn't gotten two Steve put on it, then you know it'd been a lot cleaner, and it probably would have been worth a lot more money. Right. But I just well, like I like to have it signed, but I want it as a standalone art piece, not as a personalized mm-hmm. art piece. Okay. You want to talk about some comics? Uh, sure, let's do that. I have no idea if you've actually read the book that I want to talk about. Nope, so, but I can pretend. Awesome. Uh, the one I I wanted to to bring up this week is it was actually originally published in 2012 uh, by Archaea. It's it's called The Last Days of an Immortal. And it's by Fabian Delman with art by Gwen de Bonneville. And I know that it's bananas to bring up this, like, French comic book that came out, like, six years ago, but... Uh, I wouldn't expect anything less from you. Ah, thanks. I read it recently. I I just want to talk about it because I can't stop thinking about it. And uh, I've been working a little bit with uh, Sophie Goldstein. She's a Ignatz uh, award winner and a creator. Um, she wrote The Oven and House of Women, and she's super rad, and she lives here in Pittsburgh, and we've been talking a lot about her process and my process and her work and my work and 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 it's great. And she loaned me some some comics and this was in her pile and she said at the time that it was her favorite science fiction story. And so I went into it with the the preconceived awareness or the perception of science fiction and and the expectations that come along with that but it is so much more like like good science fiction is super universal and that's why it's so appealing to us mm-hmm. uh this this story is it is it resonates on a much much broader broader scale and uh the the protagonist uh, Elijah is is sort of forced to decide the the meaning of his life in a and the end of his life the meaning of the end of his life in a in a society where that no longer is a factor where you have the ability to essentially make uh, copies of yourself and you can continue living per- perpetually as a result of these copies and you can actually be in multiple places at once and have these shared experiences and shared um, memories between your copies and the sacrifice 
is relatively minimal. You just give up older memories in order to make new copies. And so, you know, it sounds like, oh, that's not a big deal. I can give up some random memory when I was eight years old in favor of being in two places at once as an adult and living essentially forever. But it's brought up in in my in my mind, it's it's brought up all of these these thoughts about like the control that you have over your end of life experience. And I just I've been rewatching Unsurprise, I've been rewatching West Wing. Mm-hmm. And actually re rewatching it at two different points because I've introduced Avi to it recently. And um <clears throat> so I've been watching I'm in season five with my own rewatch and then Avi and I just started at the beginning of season one. Uh, but season five, episode nine, there's a very small subplot about doctors in Oregon. And you would know this because you live in Oregon, but the assisted suicide laws, I think are unique to your state. I don't believe that there's another state where you essentially have the freedom to end your life with the assistance of the, of, of a medical doctor. Uh, I don't know. I haven't too often, so (laughs) I haven't looked into it that much. Right. But it is something that comes up in this episode because the doctors are, there are some doctors who are being prosecuted for it. And um, it's, it's a a very sort of poignant issue because spoilers, the president has MS. And so his end of life is, going to be a different experience and sort of a destined to be a different experience than anybody else's. Uh, but all of this is to say that this, this book last days of an, of an immortal has, has made me think about this, this, this awareness of the importance of, of the control over your own demise and, and how, I'm not so sure that that is, <laughs> for somebody who puts a lot of stake in control of, of my own issues and my own life, I, that's one that, um, for, for me, I don't know how important it is. And I, that kind of caught me off guard, um, especially having you know watched my mom die relatively recently and knowing that the the decisions that are kind of involved in those um, or the factors that are involved in those decisions are so personal. And, and I was sort of struck by like, wow, I don't know how I feel about this for me personally. Well, uh, can, like, I don't know how much you want to get into it, but like, especially with your mom and her decisions with her end of, end of her life, like it seems to me, that when you are faced with this, you also realize that the people in your life are have some say in your life. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Or, or feel like they have say and stake in your life that, like, we're not real. I mean, we are, but if we care and are cognizant of the people around us who care for us, then the decisions we make in how how the end of our lives, if we get the decision of how our life ends, is also something that maybe they get a say in. Right, except they don't. And it's an incredibly selfish decision 
that sort of has to stay that way. Mm-hmm. Like, like when you start to take into consideration other people's feelings about it, that's when you lose your autonomy from literally your own destiny. And I feel like that is such a like huge philosophical question. And I mean, is it one of the the few areas that we have more control over than than any other? Um I guess potentially, or at least in states like Oregon where you actually can uh well just in general have... like you know, we we don't have the right to live wherever we want or you know, because we have we're it involves other people. So what so what are the few things or what are the things that we have control and rights over that only affect ourselves? Uh, I, I guess you're right. I guess right. You know, it it would really be if whether we are alive or dead. Right. Right. So because but, everything else is we we got to share with everyone else. But it's still I mean like what you said originally, it it's absolutely asinine to think that that decision, that very simple self-decision of are you alive or not, isn't affecting other people. It's just, uh, it's so, because of course it does. It affects other people tremendously. But it's such a difficult compromise to expect that other people's feelings might that you might have to take them into consideration when making that own decision for yourself. Sure. It, I mean, like, like that's sort of, it's sort of gross when you, when you boil it down to that, if you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of done. I don't want to live anymore. Hmm. And I, I hate to make it so pithy, but, but that choice is something that people make all the time. And for, for various reasons, some of which are they have already lived long and healthy and happy and loving lives, and they know that what's ahead of them is not going to be healthy and happy. It's going to be painful, and it's going to be difficult, and it's going to be uh, destructive, and they don't want to go out on those terms. Hmm. But that doesn't mean that that the decision to opt out early is just going to be met with like <laughs> universal agreement by the people who love them. Yeah. And sometimes the, you're not in the capacitive state or you want to, I guess maybe for a lot of people, they want to make the decision before they are no longer able to make the decision. Right. Yes. I mean, that's my understanding of it. It's, it's not, it's not, you know, just for the record, it doesn't really, it's not relevant for this conversation, but that's not a choice that my mom made. Right. Um, but the 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 sense that that you would that you would lose your faculties either I guess m- you know mentally or you physically lose the ability to make that decision is is I think the one of most concern for people who ha- are dealing with like chronic illnesses or uh, debilitating degenerative illnesses. Right. Right. In last days of an immortal it's that that's that is a concern that has been removed because you have these these copies of your body and you have this advanced medical uh care and 
And so essentially the, the people who are deciding that they are, that they have lived their lives to the fullest have already lived for 500 years and they're, they're met with kind of a celebratory, like, uh, like funeral party essentially. Mm-hmm. But the protagonist has been very restrictive with his copies and has decided that that's not the route that he wants to go. And that decision is met with some like skepticism and met with some kind of uh, anger even, because why not take advantage of something? Why, why not live forever when you can? Um, and, and I guess we don't have that ability now, but like, why not live as long as you possibly can just to have the ability to do so? You know, what if the day after you decide you're not going to be around any longer, they come up with the cure for your disease or whatever. It's just like a weird and and very complicated morass of like, what ifs? And, and it's, it's such a selfish thing, but, but it sort of has to be because it's the only, you, because you're right, it's the only decision you can really make for yourself. So I, I think that that's why I've just been thinking about it so much uh, because it has all of these, it has all of these very, um, uh, it has all of these moving parts that, that I think I have certainly not had to work out for myself and and even going through losing my mom that it wasn't part of the it wasn't part of our conversation with her so well how long would you want to live well i i can't answer that because because what if what if i say 70 years and i'm i'm a going to turn 39 this year mhm so what if in those 70 years the last 30 are full of chronic pain and misery. I am not super into doing that for half of my life. Okay, so that's fair, but that's, um, like, what about accomplishment-wise, though? Like, do you have kind of a list of, like, your bucket list? Like, this is the stuff I want to do before my life ends. Yeah, absolutely. I have, I'm trying to sell a book, and I want to travel more, and I want to watch my son grow, and I want to... Do a lot of things. Hmm. But, like, what if I can't enjoy them because I am deteriorating physically or, or mentally? Yeah, right. I think the mental part is almost the, the part I would worry about the most. Because I look at examples like somebody like Stephen Hawking, right? Like, he just, mm-hmm. he just passed away, but he lived... 40 years longer than he was expected to. Right. Um, And, I mean, he was basically locked into his body, but still arguably one of the more accomplished humans on Earth during his lifetime. Right, right. Um, And able to do quite a bit without much of his physical capacity. And and I I worry about how, how sort of ableist... I can be, even as somebody who has chronic health problems myself and certainly has, you know, chronic 
mental and physical disabilities. Like, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that I am so restricted from what I'm able to do that I can't take mostly full advantage of what the world ha- world has to offer. So I, I look at somebody who is in a situation that is far more extreme than something that I have ever experienced, and I am, am in awe of the amount that they can accomplish um, even under those circumstances. Like, we spent last summer with Avi recovering from uh, lacerating his Achilles tendon. So he was completely immobile. Uh, he was non-weight-bearing for uh, four months and was restricted with physical activity. And at the time, we lived in a third-floor walk-up, and it was absolutely just fucking overwhelming what we had to do to just get him through each day, um, you know, in and out of the apartment and from one room to the other. And it was like a very, very small taste of what it means to no longer be able-bodied. And I don't know that I have the personal fortitude to ask somebody or several somebodies, multiple somebodies, to help me with that if I were ever in a situation where that was required and it was not temporary. Hmm. Like, I, I think it would be so, so hard to be so selfish as to expect that assistance um, for for the rest of my lifetime. Um, it would be such... I, I, would, I would feel like I was a, a burden and that is a, that's a really hard, hard thing to come to terms with and somehow shake off and embrace the remaining life that you have. Sure. But it's, I think it's a good way to, um, to, uh, mental exploration of, uh, how we value ourselves and what like our, you know, our value beyond our bodies are to the people in our lives. Right. Right. So, yeah, certainly. That's that is one of the philosophical questions that is brought up in the in the book. I mean, you should read it. It it's really it, it in terms of a science fiction uh world that is presented, it is it is so it is man, it is such a successful uh successfully austere world that is built with almost no exposition exposition and you're immediately uh, embracing the the constructs of this the, of this world in this comic, it, it's really incredibly successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the fact that I the fact that I'm thinking about it, like I I feel is a more that's the kind of the ultimate uh, vote for you should pick it up and read it because it it really has has stayed with me much more than a lot of other things I've read recently. And it was six years ago that you read it? No, it came out six years ago. I borrowed it from Sophie last month. Thanks for paying attention. Mm, yeah, I mean, I was kind of doing other stuff. Thinking about the comic <laughs> I wanted to talk about. So, what comic do you want to discuss that I probably haven't read? The book I want to talk about 
is Invincible number 144. The story is by Robert Kirkman. The art is by Ryan Otley, Corey Walker, and Nathan Fairbairn. Fair, Fair Baron. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, it's the final issue of the 144 issue run of this comic, and it's put out by Image Comics. Wow. I think we've talked about this book before, but I haven't read much, if any, of it. Or maybe we just talked about it, we never discussed it, uh, you know, critically, but we, I'm certainly aware of its existence. Yeah, I mean, who knows? It was probably weeks ago that we talked about it, so. (laughs) It's hard to remember back then. Tell Uh, me why you picked it. uh, I think it goes with our theme. This is like the end of an epic run of of comics, you know, probably... At least the the longest running modern superhero, um, independent superhero comic. And not... so, is this uh, an end that was chosen? Uh, is this a a assisted suicide? Terrible analogy, <laughs> but is this something that the creators had control over? Um, as far as I understand, yeah, Kirkman had okay. decided that this was the end. So, does it feel conclusive? Oh yeah, I mean it's a, it's an ending. It all built up to it, and it ended, I think, on the terms that he wanted to. Um, I mean it's it's interesting. It's not so much like what happens in the end, but it kind of goes into like the story we we're just talking about, where the characters, the the main characters, have lives that do go on for hundreds of years, and it kind of makes me think of these. All these decisions that we make in our relatively short lives, even though they might seem long, and how those decisions, the the impact and the weight and uh, maybe the animosity or the love that built up between them has has much less import if the if the timeline is stretched out. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You know that something we might decide in our twenties still has. Uh, still has impact and and weight to it in our 50s or our 70s because it's really not that long but if you're 500 something you made a decision you made in your 20s might not really matter i think the way that i can put that in terms that are more relatable for me is because i have a almost 13 year old i'm dealing a lot with this total lack of perspective right everything is either the biggest deal or no big deal at all Uh and there's there's (laughs) there's no gray area uh he's living in extremes and it's infuriating but when we have moments of clarity it's when we are talking about these uh extremes and i point out how little they will impact the rest of his life. That's true. So, right. I mean, it's definitely something like when you're a distinguished woman in your late 30s now, the decisions you made at 18 seem pretty trivial. But you're absolutely right that you can do things when you're 18 that will fuck up the rest of your life or will or will benefit the rest of your life. I mean, the the original comparison is is very apt. It's just that I think that when you're a little bit younger than 18, when you're 13 or 15, you lack that perspective. And as you get older, that perspective shifts. So so you can start to see 
the patterns and you can as long as you still have control over them you can start to make changes to those patterns yeah but imagine imagine the decisions that we would look back at say 75 or 90 you know if we're so lucky and how it's like this is the twilight years of my life and i look back and there's regrets and there's successes and you could look back at 500 and say oh when i was a child of 90 you know it's like Right. The relativity of that would be so different. So your question to me was, how long do I want to live? Uh-huh. And I copped out, and I'm curious what your answer is. I mean, honestly, I, I can't think of a length of life that, with technology progressing as it is, that would ever cease to be interesting. So you would live forever if you could. I mean, ask me at age a million if I feel the same way, but at right. age, you know, at age 40, uh, I'm going to say currently, yes. Wow. That's kind of inspirational, though. I mean, I don't even have half of all the comics yet. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a long way to go, and they keep making them. Every, you know, right. every week. So it's like, I how am I ever going to catch up? Yeah, I got to wait for the end of the world first. So right. I can then catch up on everything that was put out. Do you think that that is uh, coming from your place of security and, and privilege? And you've got a house with a roof over your head and you've got a nice job and you've got a family. And so therefore this idea of, living forever is not fraught with with much risk or or danger you think it would be different if if it was if if either your life or the world itself was in a in greater peril than it is well yeah i mean there are some assumptions when you talk about that that your body is going to be of in you know good working order you're not constantly in pain you have your mental faculties because like what does it mean to live forever, right? There's, in when we talk about that, it's also talking about like being healthy and mentally sound, you know, right. whatever gray area that falls into. Because, so the characters in Invincible, are they, do they address that? I mean, as superheroes, we expect, we, we expect, <laughs> let me turn this around, as mortals, we expect our superheroes to be super. They will never see any sort of fall off in terms of, of physical or mental faculties. Um, well, that's why I always liked this series, too, that it definitely it grew as the character grew. And it, it wasn't constrained by the um, sort of immortal nature of like Marvel or DC Comics, where they need to perpetually mm-hmm. you know, last into you know, forever. Um, right, right. So that there are consequences to actions and people did, did die and, you know, or become, you know. And actually died. And actually die. Right. Right. So, so, you know, looking at that sort of construct of a superhero world, but with people are still strong and can heal and, and everything and can come back in certain ways, but sometimes you die too. And sometimes the decisions early in life take centuries to reconcile. Hmm. So I like thinking it from it that way, that maybe the time we have here is too short to really um, to really deal with a lot of that. Because by the time we're gone as parents, I mean, how how many people talk about all this, the unresolved issues they have with their parents? But 
give it a few hundred years and maybe that wouldn't be the case. That's true. That's definitely true. Uh, I've been talking and writing a lot about my role as a parent and how it has it's been very eye-opening, <laughs> certainly, with uh, informing me about things that I experienced as a child that my parents were dealing with. But you're right. I don't, I mean, with, with my, with my mom, I don't have that luxury any longer, but even with my dad, as he's getting older, his reflection is different. His reflection is about his entire life, not just about the portion of life where he was a parent. And so it's, you, you kind of you miss that opportunity to work through some things and and if we had more time we would be able to do that if even it doesn't even have to be that much more time if, if we were talking about life expectancies of of 150 years like it would just give us this larger chunk after where we could work through our issues with our parents and also uh experience the joy of watching our children become parents and like let's get on that that seems like a a much better compromise yeah maybe i mean i i don't know the longer we live i think the um the goalposts for what we consider to be adulthood and maturity change too like go back 500 years and your life expectancy is say 25 years right right At, at 12 you're or 13 you're an adult you might be getting married and, and, you know, starting a farm or somewhere else or something like that, where now it's like you're, you're a child. You're, you're still learning. You're growing. Do you feel like an adult? Uh, I mean, in some ways. I think, I think physically you, your body turns a point where it's no longer uh, when it's snapping back as quickly, you know, and I think that's right. more like the point where you feel like maybe I'm hitting that adulthood because I'm on the other side of the slope now. But I would call that feeling old, and that's not the same. Maybe this is just semantics, but I frequently don't feel like an adult. I also frequently feel old, like my back hurts or my knee is bothering me or whatever. But in terms of what I viewed as adulthood with my own parents, I feel like I haven't reach that yet and my, my parents were older when I was born so um in in their world I was like I still have many years to go before I am the age that they were that I remember as a kid but still I I don't feel like I'm I don't feel like I'm good at this adult thing even though I'm feeling physically old yeah, I don't I don't know if that ever changes. I think the more I learn about the world and how people are, you just get older. You get you get the tools to pretend you have maturity, but I don't I don't really know how much it changes that much after a certain point. Like between 25 and 40, I have less energy. I guess maybe that's what it comes down to. Right. And maybe I guess some more experience, so it's almost like I, you hit your head on this pole enough times, you know, to avoid the pole. Right. But it doesn't necessarily make you more mature. It's just like you got more stumbling. You you learned where the stumbling blocks are. Yeah. My perspective has changed and my, 
my I guess my reaction to those stumbling blocks has matured. I'm no longer coming home from school and flopping down on my bed because everything is terrible like Avi does. Yeah. I am able to process things and respond to them with a more new with with more nuance. Because you have more but, tools. Because but... you're right. I have more tools. I have more experience. But but is that adulthood? Maybe I just so. <laughs> Maybe I just never really understood what I was working toward. I think once we start watching Fox News and you know voting to keep America great, that's when we've hit adulthood. Like right now, we're just children. Shit. Yeah, I got like. Hopefully, I'm never an adult in that case. You say that now. Let's talk it. Let's talk in ten years. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna still hold true to that. When you yep. you're hoard you wanna hoard all your comic book money. You don't wanna let the leechers and the ne'er do wells have at it. Leechers and ne'er do wells? Uh-huh. Well I'm a mature adult, so that I use words like that. Got it, got it. You sound like uh you're living in feudal Europe. <laughs> I am. I'm gonna take my twelve year old child bride and move into my keep. <laughs> that you built out of your comics. Yeah, well, I had my sweat. Yes. Nice. Uh, what What do you think the chances are that we're going to be able to do this again? I mean, uh, given the long length of our life, you know, it's all relative, right? <laughs> Within 500 years, we'll do this again. Right, right. Well, I'll be at Dink next weekend. So if anybody is going to be in Denver, come visit me. I have... All the comics, I have a ton of original art and prints and tiny art and canvases. And I have copies of mine, the anthology that benefited Planned Parenthood that I did a story with Mindy Newell uh, in. And so, yeah, come visit me. And then after that, when I'm back in town, let's try to do this. uh, Let's try to do this twice in one month. Um, Okay, if that's a ambitious goal for a couple of kids it is it's a little bit lofty but i think that we can handle it for a couple of kids we can give it a try cool till next time bye bye